First they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden you change the world. Berlusconi flatly denies that any mafia money helped him to get a start in real estate. I have I've always had a thing for black people. I like black people. I'm telling you, these stories are funnier than, than the jokes you can tell. And I said, what the fuck is a brain scientist? I was like, that's not a real job. Tell me the truth. But anyway. It's fun. Hello, welcome back to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. This is your Patreon episode for the week. I'm Sean P. McCarthy. Yogi Poliwal. Andy Palmer. Steve Jeffries. And we're closing out the saga of Bill Gates the third. Uh, this is the part three, the last fourth. part. No, this is part three. Oh, he is the fourth? Yes. Okay. Oh, is, yeah, we forgot to mention this in the first one, but his dad was Bill Gates the third. Oh. And then he went off to fight the Nazis mm. and he w- knew that some drill sergeant would be like, Oh, the third you fancy. And then he would use a word people can't, well, shouldn't use anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a patron episode, Andy. We should let our listeners know. <laughs> They're paying to hear Full these content, words. Buddy. Okay. Say it, Yogi. I don't know what the word is. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so he changed it to junior and now they call, um, they, then growing up, they called Bill Gates uh, Trey uh, to mean the third, even though he was the fourth. Oh. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So did his father go around telling people they were going to release version four two years before they were actually <laughs> going to do it? Um, but so where we left you on uh, on part two is essentially, you know, the by the 90s, uh, early 90s, Bill Gates, Microsoft are dominant players in the industry. Uh, they have, you know, Windows. Uh, we mentioned, you know, they, they take uh, the graphical user interface from the Xerox labs. Gooey. They um, uh, <laughs> use their dominant position on IBM PCs to uh, push a lot of other applications like WordPerfect and Lotus into uh, really marginal uh, shares of the market. So, you know, by 92, 93, 94, they are the major player in operating systems, but also, you know, their um, MS Office suite is the kind of, you know, major business software. So they're like uh, one of the most valuable companies in America. And uh, kind of brings you up. This book I read uh, called Overdrive by James Wallace is a sequel to Hard Drive. And essentially that tells the story of um, uh, Netscape, the internet company, part of the Department of Justice investigating Microsoft for antitrust. And, you know, it starts with the Windows 95 launch. So I think that's what we'll talk about on this last part is, uh, you know, those those cases and then maybe a bit about what has been going on with Bill Gates since then. When they made the decision to undermine WordPerfect instead mm-hmm. of just competing with them directly, mm-hmm. you think they just realized, like, we cannot go toe-to-toe with this level of clip art. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it is interesting, and, like, I don't know how much time we'll have uh, on this episode. For clip art? <laughs> so much time. Oh, man. Uh, it I'll, is, go into, I'll, I'll go into Monday talking clip art. <laughs> Uh, an interesting thing that I that I got from the book Overdrive is employees at Microsoft keep referring to projects that they work on as a quote unquote death march. Huh. So Windows ninety five is the programming of it is described as a quote death march, and then of course <laughs> on the launch August nineteen ninety five it's kind of buggy and crappy anyways. But um, uh, it's got solitaire. Yes, 
But so, you know, and then the other major story is uh, Microsoft and Bill Gates essentially missing the internet or not understanding what the internet is. So they're releasing or they're building Microsoft Network as well, MSN, uh, which the idea is um, essentially in the early 90s, Bill Gates is all in this kind of... Um, Infor the, everybody's talking about the information superhighway. Like, it's important, you know, the Internet's so ubiquitous. We, we, it's hard for us to go back and think about this. But, you know, 92, 93, all the Time magazine articles are about the information superhighway. And the idea is, like, you'll be able to use your television as, like, a smart device where you can, like, order movies and research and do all this stuff. Like, a lot of stuff you can do. <laughs> and we'll go to work in our flying cars. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of stuff you can do now, but people, but the technology wasn't there yet. Right. But, you know, people were like kind of fantasizing about the Roku kind of smart TV thing in 1993, and they were totally missing what was about to happen with the World Wide Web, you know? So, uh, it's weird to imagine the Roku being something people fantasize about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, they'll have a little remote that's rounded. <laughs> It's got purple on it, too. <laughs> so it is just kind of like, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how much time we have to, to talk about just Microsoft's abusive labor practices. But from the book, Overdrive, they talk about creating MSN. And the idea is, like, they make this kind of uh, standalone server where you can, like, log on and pay Microsoft money to get, like, content from those various content providers they've signed deals with. Right. And um, it is also the programming... The programming of MSN is also described as a, quote, death march. The lead developer has a brain aneurysm and what? has to hurry back to work from the hospital to finish it. And then they release it, and it's buggy and awful. And also, it's completely obsolete as soon as it launches because Netscape browser is like, why the fuck would I pay you money to log onto a server right, when right. I can just uh, they, go to the internet for free and get tons more content? At the hospital... Bill Gates sent him a letter that is like, it looks like, a, you know, condolences and stuff. You're probably, well, it's actually, he opens it up and it's just a debug report. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is what we found on the latest debug. Um, <laughs> the fun thing about working as uh, um, uh, a vendor for Microsoft or like a contractor is that instead of having like these death marches to like a finish line, mm -hmm. there's no finish line. Right, right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so MSN has to be redesigned as a website instead of a standalone server almost immediately after it launches. So, you know, it's just like, and you know, there's also stories about like Windows 95's employees having to keep like a sleeping bag in their office because, you know, they're just like working 80 hour weeks for, uh, the betterment of Mr. Gates. And but, this, this is something that happens time and time again in the 90s. They, like, think of something... Only 90s kids will remember working <laughs> themselves to death. No, but, like, they Microsoft continues to, like, make shit that, like, they're like, this is going to, like, revolutionize the future. Mm -hmm. But they're just, like, slightly too early or a bit too clunky in some ways to where all of the efforts and the sacrifices made by their employees go kind of to waste. Like, the concept of, like, a tablet device is introduced during this decade. The concept of like the home computer being your main uh, nebula system for your home entertainment. Like all these types of ideas were rolling around in the 90s, but it was just too early to implement them correctly. Mm. I was about to shit on tablet devices, and then I realized that Steven's using one right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm just going to say, oh, the revolutionary tablet devices. But mm -hmm. no. Steven. So you didn't have a joke? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so this brings us to, you know, these, uh, the August 1995 is the launch of Windows 95. Um, uh, interestingly enough, according to this book, Overdrive, um, 
Well, first off, they pay the Rolling Stones $12 million for the rights to start me up because they add the start menu. And kind of like the standard Windows interface comes from Windows and then 95. they launch it. You've all seen the video, but... Uh, the dancing. Yeah, just imagine uh, the worst dancing you've ever seen. And then it's worse than that. And the ill-fitting seats. Oh, oh. I think all right, let's, Balmer's... Let's stop uh, it before we have to pay $12 million. <laughs> Balmer's the hero of that one, just waving his arms. I think that's Balmer. Uh-huh. Yeah, if he's bald, oh, it's good. Well, there's a couple bald guys on here. Yeah. This was when no one had any muscle definition. Go to the end where Balmer's yelling, because <laughs> that's the best part. Oh, oh it's, it's just them over. dancing? Go, oh. go to the end where he's uh, making Gates' wife sign a prenuptial. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so the, the important thing is, oh, yeah, and this launch, August 1995, apparently Jay Leno is the uh, the MC of what? this launch. And would you guys like to hear a joke, yeah. Mr. But Jay do, Leno? Do the impression. Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, Bill. Monica Lewinsky's in the news. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have material before Monica Lewinsky? <laughs> Believe it or not. He goes, Bill, you know, there's, uh, there's so much memory on this thing. Uh, the, the Windows 95, so much memory, it can keep track of all of OJ's alibis. <laughs> <laughs> that is an actual joke Jay Leno told at the Windows 1995 launch. Man, he deserves every car he's ever owned. <laughs> I can't believe Bill Gates would just stand there and laugh along as they are joking about a double murder that to this day is unsolved. The Tonight Show with my birthright. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they released... I'm going to run that shit into the ground. Hey, Bill, I initiated some merger talks with Conan, and uh, I think I'm going to steal his technology and his jokes. He <laughs> <laughs> stole the algorithm <laughs> that has uh, been generating late night jokes. Just when uh, you think they still can't get any worse, I'll hand it off to Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> hey, uh, Bill, I noticed that uh, you started a uh, hot mail here, but uh, I don't see anyone more attractive than you, Bill. <laughs> I'll give you a B for the joke and an F for the impression. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but so it should be noted, essentially, um, yeah, so Windows 95, uh, it launches. They have, you know, this MSN that's kind of obsolete because what happened here is in 1993, Mosaic Browser was launched. It was these kids at the uh, the University of Chicago um, in one of their research labs. They came up with Mosaic Browser, and the basic idea is... Um, some guy in uh, uh, Switzerland at, I think, the CERN laboratory. I think it's the Large Hydron Collider laboratory or whatever. Hadron. Whatever. Uh, some guy came up with, essentially, the World Wide Web over there. But uh, So there's, there's some initial browsers that exist in the early 90s, but they are text-only browsers. So Mosaic is essentially the first browser that can display, you know, images. It has, like, a user interface. And... Um, so these kids, in 1993, they launch Mosaic, and they release it free on the internet, and it becomes, like, extremely popular, where, you know, uh, uh, tens of thousands of people a month are downloading this initial browser, connecting to the internet, and this is really the birth of the internet. And then um, the university licenses this Mosaic to a bunch of different companies, but uh, in particular, one of the, uh, the kids at the University of Chicago... Uh, goes with this um, Silicon Valley VC, and they found Netscape. Mm. Uh, you know, so of course, you know they have the millions of dollars. So they, in uh, late 1994, Netscape. Now that's the Navigator, right? Yes. Uh, in late 1994, Netscape releases their browser. They Netscape give, Navigator. Yes, they give it away free on the internet, and because they have like these millions of Silicon Valley VC money, you know, they like. I you think can they, use that to uh, do a search on Northern Lights, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> they have like uh, uh, 95, uh, 70% of the market share for browsers by like 94, 95. And so it is something where we, we mentioned MSN. Bill Gates is really caught, uh, Microsoft in general is really ca- caught asleep at the wheel here. And um, like uh, some people within Microsoft kind of see what's going on. Uh, now, would you say that Netscape was the company that put America online? No, I think that was a different company. <laughs> I can't remember their name, but... Time Warner? I, no, it's not that. Somebody being online in this country. I don't know, guys. Let's move on. But uh, essentially, like, another... Uh, some people within Microsoft were kind of saw what was going on and tried to warn Bill Gates. Like, one guy at Microsoft told Bill Gates they should uh, give a browser away for free with Windows, and Bill Gates called him a communist, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> And then a year later, they would do exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, you know. What a visionary. Yeah. And, uh, and so essentially, like, the story of the 90s is Microsoft initially totally losing out on market share to, um, to Netscape and then kind of realizing what's going on by late 95 and doing a complete 180. And so, and also just kind of using their dominant market position to destroy Netscape. Right. Eventually, like... Um, the story ends with uh, uh, Netscape getting bought by AOL and then going under, but the Netscape code is given to the Mozilla Foundation and Mozilla Foundation launches Firefox browser. Because hmm. it's kind of an interesting thing where essentially Microsoft... Distri- Which is what we use to research on the show ever since we did the Google episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Microsoft uh, by... Uh, this is a DuckDuckGo pod. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... In, le- in late 1995, Microsoft, and, like, they had licensed the uh, one of the Mosaic, uh, the other Mosaic companies called Spyglass. Microsoft licenses their browser, which becomes Internet Explorer. Uh, and then in late 95, Microsoft announces, hey, we're going to give this shit away for free, too. Because, you know, Netscape, they don't have any Windows revenue coming in. Their revenue is essentially they give it away for free, but, you know, for commercial products, right. they charge. Whereas Microsoft's like, it's all free, you know. So, yeah. and then, of course, they use their... Uh, dominant position with the PC market and also some um, rather shady practices with their operating system, which we'll kind of get into. What year is this, Sean? Uh, So 95, Microsoft launches IE, and then from 95 to 2000, they're doing a bunch of shady shit to make it so everybody uses IE. So they're essentially trailblazing the tactics that all other tech giants will use, which is when you find out what your competitor does, if you got more money than them, offer what they do for free until you run them out of business. Mm Mm-hmm. Basically that. And so what happens is like by the year 2000, um, about the year 2000. <laughs> by then about 90 to 95 percent of all browsers are Internet Explorer. And this uh, interesting thing happens where from and it's universally beloved. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun thing I found researching this um, from about the year 2000 to 2006, I believe. So would in, you that, <laughs> in that entire time period, one update for Internet Explorer is released. Wow. <laughs> now, so, now, would you say, is Internet Explorer sort of like Microsoft Edge? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But so it's, it's interesting where, like, by 2000, it's like 90, 95% of the market, so they have no competition, and then innovation in browsers disappears until Firefox comes out in 2004. So... But, um, you know, and we'll kind of get into um, 
what what happened with the Justice Department because this does become an issue. But I did want to mention one other thing that we didn't really talk about on the previous episode, which uh, we, we made a little joke. But essentially, Microsoft gets a reputation for using merger talks as a way to steal technology. <laughs> Like, essentially, throughout the 80s and 90s, uh, if they want to uh, uh, steal a company's application or whatever, they'll, like, say, like, hey, we want to buy you out or, hey, we want to invest. And then, you know, they'll have the company come in and, like, sit down and, like, kind of go over their technology. And then suddenly they'll be like, "Eh, we changed our minds. And then, like, three months later, you'll see that they have reverse engineered your product. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) if you go through the history of their mergers, I mean, in a four-year period, from 1996 to 2001, when they made over 30 mergers, uh-huh. like a, like a good deal of them, wow, are are just this tactic of like a fake, they're fake friends, right, right, yes. right. So it's a, it's like a friendly merger talks, and then it goes nowhere. And they talk shit behind their back. Yeah. And um and you know so um Novell is a is the, among the various companies that accuses them of that's uh, pronounced novel. Yes, uh, among the various companies that accuses them of essentially initiating bad faith merger talks to uh, steal technology. And this is uh, among the, uh, the many um, uh, tactics that they'll get uh, chided for. And another one is, um, uh, according to the Overdrive book, Microsoft, uh, we, we mentioned the uh, original equipment manufacturers, the deals they have with all these PC makers where they already pay the license fees for Windows. So, of course, they might as well install Windows because right. they're already paying for the thing because of the deals that Microsoft has the market position to negotiate. Um, Microsoft starts arguing that offering them discounts who, uh, for the ones who pre-install Internet Explorer. So because they oh, have wow. such a dominant market share, they're able to really wipe Netscape off the map and, uh, and you know, do some shit. That, Netscape uh, Navigator? Yes. Um, but so basically, uh, in 1994... The initial Department of Justice thing starts up where uh, we, we mentioned on the previous episode how they their um, their word processor, their spreadsheet thing kind of fucked over the competition. So the idea going back to the 90s is that essentially Microsoft should have been under the Sherman Antitrust Act broken up into an operating system and an applications company. Right. And Bill Gates said, you know, like essentially over my dead body. The Overdrive book, it says uh, Bill Gates had a meeting with Vice President Al Gore during the early Clinton administration and said if they broke up Microsoft into the two companies, he would move Microsoft overseas and flee the co- uh, flee the country. <laughs> what an inconvenient truth. Yeah. <laughs> go, go for it, you know. The Walking. thing that, that, no, that like people are finally now like all catching on to is like whenever those billionaires are like, we're going to leave the country... Everyone's like, oh, but wait, you already don't pay taxes in right, this country. Right, right, right. And also they're just bluffing. Oh, like yeah, they did, yeah. They did a meta-analysis of like different studies on, on um, this is a bit off tangent, mm-hmm. but um, big, big, big businesses threatening to leave right. wherever, whatever municipality they're under if uh, there's like some legislative action against them and like they just don't, they don't do it. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, Bill Gates is threatening to flee to the uh, libertarian paradise of Denmark <laughs> and set up his company where there will be no regulation in the European Union. I'm just uh, picturing Bellevue and Redmond without Microsoft. <laughs> and I, I think it's paradise. Just getting downtown in less than two hours. <laughs> Not having just New York's financial district with nothing positive, to, with like no transit. Um, just and like, 
all of those Art Deco buildings not being knocked down for a postmodernist nonsense architecture. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but so, you know, so essentially... No comedians who use PowerPoint. At <laughs> 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 uh, Giggles Comedy fuck. Club. Hey, hey, do the uh, Windows break sound when I say this. Okay, for uh, my next joke, it's uh, this slide. Oh, God. Okay. Um, okay, I need about 15 minutes here. Okay, let's try it again. All right, here we go. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, um, uh, my name's Paul. <laughs> Some people call me... Uh, Paul Masturbator, <laughs> to which I say, thanks, Dad. <laughs> oh, that was mean. He's always nice to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck him. Comedians who use PowerPoint? Do you mean the Andrew Yang presidential campaign? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so... Essentially what happens is the Department of Justice in 1994 makes a lot of noise, but they really offer Microsoft a really toothless consent decree, which is essentially like Microsoft will sign on the dotted line and say, hey, we did some illegal stuff, uh, anti-competitive stuff. It's particularly, you know, as we mentioned, there's Sherman Antitrust Act. There is a provision regarding restraint of trade. So you can't really... Wait, this is they couldn't even get a deal that uh, said they deny all wrongdoing actually no you're right they did it, it deny wrongdoing oh, okay but they had it's gonna lose some respect for microsoft yeah. microsoft's never the bad guy guys so 1994 the department of justice does this con- this really toothless consent decree which is like hey we did some bad stuff we won't do this kind of sabotaging other operating systems or other applications again we mentioned on the previous episode apis so they would like have all this uh these They're like seattle's already been ruined it's 1994 <laughs> My mom's and, dead. <laughs> and it's like another thing, you know, this is 94. The Department of Justice is getting a bunch of pressure to like not fuck with Microsoft before the Windows 95 launch. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, you know, hey, we don't want to. This is going to be so good for the economy. And all these other vendors who are working with Microsoft are like, hey, you can't fuck with Microsoft before they release <laughs> Windows 95. You know, so it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's a real should, Harvey Weinstein yes. situation. But, you know, this is uh, the Bill Clinton administration, their DOJ, and they haven't. Uh, yeah, in 94, they okay, have. I'm just going to keep this on mute so I can watch Steve Ballmer flail. <laughs> in 94, they have this consent decree. Uh, they, the <laughs> Microsoft agrees to six years of monitoring from the Department of Justice. Uh, they, um, you know, say they won't do these kind of bad uh, things with other applications again, and then they immediately do it with Netscape yeah. and other browsers. Right. Of course. <laughs> Wait, Netscape Navigator? Yes, Netscape Navigator. Um, but funnily enough, uh, a few days... So initially, uh, there's a guy named Stanley Sporkin, which if you've read the Jesse Eisinger book, um, The Chicken Shit Club, which I recommend, it's about why nobody was prosecuted for the financial crisis, essentially what has happened to white-collar crime enforcement. But they talk about this guy named Stanley Sporkin, who was in the 1970s ahead of the SEC, who actually you know, was like a bit of a bulldog and went after corporate crime pretty aggressively. And um, then he got appointed to the federal judiciary. And just by sheer chance, he ended up being the federal judge who had to approve this initial consent decree with Microsoft. So he read the book Hard Drive, <laughs> which uh, I read for or most of for research for this. And he was like, yeah, this is a fucking monopoly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, why are you just letting them stay a monopoly if they just say like, hey, we won't do it again in the future, you know? Right. So he throws out this consent decree. 
And then uh, the Department of Justice joins Microsoft to sue. Getting me too. To appeal to uh, enforce the consent decree. And uh, then an appeals court takes him off the case. And then they say, okay, fine. The consent decree can go forward in 95. And then uh, just a few days after this consent decree is finally signed, uh, Bill Gates plays golf with President Bill Clinton. Oh. So, you know, no... Uh, Couple of bills on the links, eh? Yeah. Let me hang out on islands from time to time too, Sean? No, Bill. Bill Clinton's like, this is going to take a hit to my legacy, but at least I'll get to hang out with Bill Gates. Now, Bill, tell me more about the combat zone in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so essentially, you know, and they sign this consent decree and then immediately they start fucking over, um, Netscape Navigator, like, but they have consent. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) you know, and, and like, there's, uh, there's a ton of different stuff that they're doing to actually make this happen. But like, as, uh, uh, one thing is, you know, if you install, um, if you install Internet Explorer, uh, from like the basic version, um, according to the overdrive book. Uh, it would crash if you attempted to use any other browser. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like um, Eric Schmidt, uh, the Google CEO, uh, was at Sun Microsystems at this point. He right. actually gave these interviews for Overdrive, and he talks about essentially like the initial version of Internet Explorer didn't do this, but then the beta version uh, <laughs> suddenly adds it so that if you start trying to install another browser, it will crash and not work. <laughs> And then, you know, they did this stuff where we mentioned the, um, they give... We had another browser like uh, Netscape Navigator? Yes, that one. Uh, and then they gave these discounts <laughs> to these um, uh, PC manufacturers, and they uh, made it uh, borderline impossible to uninstall Internet Explorer from Windows. Because, right. like, oh, yeah, so the way they got around the consent decree was they um, they, they agreed to, like not as aggressively pre-bundle software with their operating system. So they pretended that Internet Explorer was part of the Windows operating Uh. system. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is just like, uh, yeah. No, this optional spoiler is crucial to the engine of the car. Uh, but so in uh, in 1998, the uh, Department of Justice finally has when, it. When you get consent and some shit is pre-bundled. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, in 1990. I didn't sign up to this. In 1998, the Department of Justice finally has enough, and they uh, they sue Microsoft uh, just from Wiki. They say it's um they accuse it of violating Section Two of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Uh, they say that um. No one reads that section. It has. They accuse it of illegally maintaining its monopoly position in the PC market, primarily through the legal and technical restrictions it put on the abilities of PC manufacturers, these OEMs we mentioned, and users to uninstall Internet Explorer and use other programs such as Netscape Navigator and Java. And uh, basically what happens throughout uh, this, this trial is uh, kind of funny because... Um, the original judge rules that, of course, it's a monopoly, it's in violation, and should be broken up. Right. And then they immediately appeal it, and um, the appeals court decides that, uh, yes, it is a monopoly, all these things are true, but but no, it should not be broken up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like two different courts found that it is in violation of this Sherman Antitrust Act, um, but they decided to not break it up and just do another consent decree. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, all about how the federal government enforces. So, so, so what is a consent decree in this? It's kind of like what they they do with the banks, where it's like they oh yeah they turn it over to a um, a neutral arbiter 
arbitrator is supposed to get access to their source code to make sure there are not hidden APIs in it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, they stopped doing these uh, special deals with OEMs so that they have to pre-install Windows, right. you know. And it's like at this point, it's essentially giving them an exemption to the Sherman Antitrust Act, which we've mm. been doing, where it's like, hey, we, we found that this is a monopoly, but no, this does not need to be split into two companies. We'll just do some less extreme enforcement. Oh, so just make it so that you can put other programs on Windows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think from the, I'm looking at their stock price, and from the time that that appeal resulted in a second consent decree, uh-huh. To 2000, their stock price rose about 600%. What? Yeah. There's yeah, some, well, some market turbulence. Right, and They didn't right. know what would happen, you yeah, know, yeah. with uh, whether or not it's a monopoly, which it is. I mean, that makes sense. You beat the DOJ <laughs> and people go, let's put our money into this. But so, oh yeah, and uh, two things from this trial I just want to kind of go through. Microsoft submitted at least two fake videos as evidence during this trial. <laughs> Uh, really? So again, um, uh, just from Wiki, but uh, they included a Microsoft submitted a fake video as evidence that quote demonstrated that removing Internet Explorer from Microsoft Windows caused slowdowns and malfunction in Windows. Oh, wow. And this was the idea to try and pretend that this was part of Windows. Right, right. Uh, in the videotaped demonstration, uh, then Microsoft Mike, uh, then Microsoft Vice President Jim Alchin stated to be a seamless segment filmed on one PC. The plaintiff noticed that some icons mysteriously disappear and reappear on the PC's desktop, suggesting that the, the effects might have been falsified. Alchin admitted that the blame for the tape problems lay with some of his staff. What? <laughs> a fucking snake. Uh, They're my, like, wait a minute. In the first part of the video, there are links to porn in the corner, but then in the second link, they're gone. <laughs> and uh, and then Microsoft submitted a second inaccurate video into evidence later the same month as the first. The issue in question was how easy or hard it was for America Online users to download and install Netscape Navigator onto a Windows PC. Microsoft's videotape showed the process as being quick and easy, resulting in the Netscape icon appearing on the user's desktop. The government produced its own videotape of the same process, revealing that Microsoft videotape had conveniently removed a long and complex part of the procedure and that Netscape's icon was not placed on the desktop requiring a user to search for it. And uh, and then Microsoft admitted that their own tape was falsified. So, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, you can get in a lot of trouble if you submit false evidence to a federal courtroom. Oh, tons of trouble. Mm -hmm. You could, unless you're Microsoft. And the other thing from this trial that I just wanted to, to go through real quick is... Um, Bill Gates has to give um, a deposition, you know, so there's like videotape deposition of Bill Gates you can watch on YouTube. Uh, and I just, we're not going to go through all of it, but it, perhaps we could just summarize what you will see if you watch the hours and hours of a video of Bill Gates giving deposition. Define what is meant by definition. Uh, so that's Bill Gates saying define what is meant by definition. And then... No, I have an answer. The answer is I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so basically that again and again is uh, Bill Gates gave really evasive testimony. And, um, and you know, like I've watched maybe like 40 minutes of the thing. I would describe it as a sovereign citizen video, except <laughs> the guy is a billionaire. <laughs> because that was actually the guy taking the de deposition who said, define what you mean by def definition. And it was because Bill Gates was arguing about the definition of definition. <laughs> and then he starts going like, yeah, you know, I would think of that more of a common usage. <laughs> Just like, use the most ridiculous semantical arguments. And, you know, whenever Bill Gates is asked a question, he'll like filibuster. Like at one point the guy says like, so, um, 
Steve Ballmer uh, forwarded these two separate emails, and Bill Gates is like, "Am I being detained?" <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It's like it's it's not as entertaining as a sovereign citizen video because the guy has too much money to get tased <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Yeah, no but, one smashes his window. Yeah, uh, but so yeah, he. It, oh yeah, so the guy, uh, the guy uh, asking questions for the deposition at, uh, brings. So they keep like accusing Steve uh, of Bill Gates of, of you know lying because he'll like filibuster or argue about the definitions or right. make misstatements, and then they'll just say like, "Here, take a look at this email that you sent that we subpoenaed," <laughs> and then he'll just be like, "You know, sure. I don't remember." Whatever the drop you people is. are trying to get me on some obscure submitting false evidence law that I've never, I mean, I've never heard of it. <laughs> um, Wait, Sean, do you want to yes. ask me why I didn't uh, do more research for these episodes? Andy, why didn't you do more research? No, I have an answer. The answer is I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, but hey, so. Hey, Andy, why are you making the drop sound so weird? No, I have an answer. The answer is I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so, and it's like, you know, we could go through like chapter and verse, like the defined definition argument, the, um, uh, uh, oh yeah, and so at another point, the guy brings his attention to two emails that Steve Ballmer had forwarded and refers to them as three separate emails and Bill Gates starts going like, no, this is one email. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because it's like he's arguing that like right. forwarded emails are all the same email. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you just hear the guy getting more and more frustrated. <laughs> like He says it multiple times like, Bill, we can be here as long as you need to be. <laughs> um, oh, and then uh, another great one is that he brings his attention to an email Bill Gates had sent. Mm -hmm. And he's like, now, did you type in that this email was high priority? And he's like, no. Uh, Bill Gates goes, no. I didn't. And then he's like, well, the, well, the email is, is clearly marked high priority. He's like, yes. And then the guy goes, well, who typed in high priority? Bill Gates goes, the computer. The computer <laughs> typed in high priority. Listen, all my emails are high priority. Everyone knows this. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, again, just, just sovereign citizen shit where Bill Gates will just argue about definitions and filibuster <laughs> like the entire time. And, um, and it didn't really... And it like it sort of worked, but it didn't really work. Where, as we mentioned, Bill Gates was found guilty, or Microsoft was found guilty twice by two different federal courts of violating the Sherman Antitrust Act. Is just the appeals court decided breaking it up would be too extreme of a remedy. And um, oh yeah, it is worth mentioning. Part of why they got away with this was the um, the judge in the first case was uh, uh, he was caught essentially talking to journalists off the record uh and one other interesting thing that happens is um the the judge from the first trial part of why microsoft is able to get away with this is they find out he was speaking off the record to a new york times reporter and uh, the judge from the first trial referred to microsoft he compared them to quote stubborn mules who should be walloped with a two by four <laughs> <laughs> and he he also compared them to quote gangland killers uh, referring to a murder case he presided over four years earlier. Wow. And so basically the appeals court admonished him because, you know, you're not supposed to speak even off the record to journalists about cases you're presiding over. And uh, uh, when the case was over, Bill Gates walked out to Rough Riders' anthem. <laughs> uh, but yes. Um, I think that went a little something like this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, just other stuff like... Uh, 
they made it extremely difficult to remove Microsoft Internet Explorer from Windows 98. Like, they did not put it on the remove programs list. Uh, and, you know, they've designed Windows 98 to work, quote, unpleasantly with Netscape Navigator. With Counter-Strike? <laughs> That's what I learned. Yeah. But, um, and then, uh, just like for those interested in the legal aspects, this is called illegal tying, where you tie two products together. And, you know, uh, but so essentially they're found guilty of all this, but... It's decided that breaking up Microsoft into the operating system and the uh, applications companies would be uh, a too extreme a remedy. So uh, they have another consent decree. They stop doing some of these OEMs. They submit uh, some of these OEM deals. Uh, they submit their code, their source code to a neutral body so that developers can get access to it and not have get fucked over by these hidden APIs that only right. Microsoft knows about. You think when they did these OEM deals, they were like, this is the end of the world? <laughs> As we know it. That was, (laughs) they wanted the song, The End of the World as They Know It, uh, by R.E.M. for the Windows 95 launch, but R.E.M., to their credit, does not license their music, uh, so they could not get it. Nice. Uh, But it was not the end of the world, because they were able to pay Mick Jagger $12 million (laughs) for Start Me Up. But, um, and, and so this kind of like brings you up to speed where it's like, I think 2001, this, or 2001 or two. Even though Keith Richards should have gotten a slice of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So essentially, like this appeals court says, uh, yes, Microsoft is in violation, but no, breaking them up would be too extreme a remedy. So September to November 2001, the Bush administration comes God in. God forbid Bellevue and Redmond get all <laughs> shitty. <laughs> uh, November 2001, uh, the Bush DOJ comes in and uh, they immediately reach out to Microsoft to settle the case. Um, and essentially they have to. Well, we've kind of mentioned the terms of this uh, and. Uh, and, you know, essentially it affirms, it gives them an exemption to the Sherman Antitrust Act. Right. And, uh, and you know, we see the results where we've mentioned by 2000, Windows Internet Explorer is, 2000. is you know, 90, 95% of the market. And, uh, and then it just does not receive an update. And, like, for six years, browsers just suck ass right. <laughs> until Firefox comes out and later Chrome. So only, yeah, tabbed browsing is just a, a dream in the sky for about five years, even though it could have been made. Um, but so I guess with the uh, the time we have left here, um, Bill Gates, he leaves as Microsoft CEO in 2000. Right. He's still involved, but 2006, he moves to a part-time role at Microsoft. This is where the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation really really becomes established. But, you know, essentially... He and he si- decided to do for, soft- or do for malaria what he did for software. <laughs> announce that a cure would be released next year (laughs) and then have several decades pass (laughs) without any movement on that front. Be completely unable to debug it. Uh Um, But so just like interesting stuff from all this time. Um, uh, Oh, I guess we should just kind of mention uh, a little bit more about uh, what what we've uh, talked about here, which is, again, the Department of Justice went on this, but... um, Embrace, extend, extinguish. Right. And I just want to kind of quote uh, from a YouTube comment of all places. Actually, I think explains pretty well what happened in the 90s with Java. Because, you know, we, we talked about what Microsoft did with Internet Explorer, but they did a similar thing with Java and some other programs where essentially Microsoft Windows is kind of a shitty OS. So if a program works... Hold the phone. Yeah. If a program works on every OS, like, you know, Mac uh, or uh, Mac and uh, Linux and all the others, 
if it works on every OS, it's kind of a threat to Microsoft right. because people... It was a shitty OS, but then they came out with Windows 10. <laughs> so it's kind of a threat where Microsoft does this, you know, embrace, extend, extinguish, where they will release proprietary shit for it. So just quoting from a, uh, a YouTube comment that I think explains this pretty well, in the 90s, Sun Microsystems created Java, uh, the programming language that was supposed to work on all applications, and in fact, Netscape embraced it. And the idea is that you know you Netscape can, Navigator. Yes, you can write a code in Netscape uh, in Java, and it'll work on every OS. And this is a threat to Microsoft. So in the '90s, Microsystems, uh, Sun Microsystems created Java, which has two components, uh, which has two components: the programming language and the runtime. The runtime, the Java you install, lets you run things written in Java on any device regardless of the OS or CPU. Write once, run anywhere. That was a huge threat to Microsoft. Why write Windows programs when you could write Java programs and they'd run on any computer? Right. So Microsoft wrote their own Java runtime called MSJVM and made it part of Windows. It extended Java to do Windows-only things, meaning there were now, quote, Java apps that could only run on Windows, destroying the whole point of Java. This became part of the antitrust trial because it ruined Sun's products. In a separate case, Sun sued Microsoft and, and won. And that was from a YouTube comment I thought explained it pretty well. Um, but it is just kind of important where Microsoft again and again uses their dominant market position to engage in anti-competitive practices that make consumers worse off. People refer to the Windows tax, where every computer people buy <laughs> costs that much more because they've cut all these deals with the original equipment manufacturers that say, hey, whatever amount of computers you sell, you have to give us a cut to license Windows because we are the dominant OS. Thankfully, Java never became uh, buggy and slow and very easy to <laughs> hack from uh, outside malware. Mm -hmm. In in interviews in like the early two, early two thousands to late aughts, I guess with Bill with Bill Gates, um, he he talks about the Windows asset in in within Microsoft as like, well, you have to manage it really closely and like very carefully, and that means just like finding new ways to extract rents from from uh, potential vendors and also businesses. Like oh yeah, they're so, forced to use Windows. Right. So can I talk about like some of their business um, strategies? Of course. From from my so from my experience, uh, I was a um, I was called a licensing support specialist, and basically we would have these big price sheets for um, companies because Microsoft's main source of revenue is from companies that have to run. Uh, Microsoft products. I, I, I'm just imagining Microsoft lawyers listening to this and frantically running to find out if Andy Palmer signed an NDA. <laughs> <laughs> it, so <laughs> I don't remember. Whatever. Um, so they basically they make all their money um, from selling to you know corporations uh and the the types of things we dealt with were like uh orders of 250 or more and so they had different ways of extracting rents one of them was you would buy say the license for um office or windows but if you just bought the license you wouldn't be able to upgrade it if they you know went from windows 7 to windows 8 sure cool sure. and so what you would buy is the software assurance which was way more expensive same thing for Office. You'd buy a software assurance, and that meant for three years, um, at essentially the cost of the slightly less than buying the original program, like every year. Right. Uh, you, if they upgraded Office or if they upgraded Windows, you would be able to upgrade it with them. And obviously, they're 
tactic is or strategy is to just keep on upgrading. You know, that's why there's like a new version of office every year. Sure. Sure. Is that, um, that way they can keep selling the software assurances, which is where all the money is. Cause if mm. people could just buy a license and sit on that, that would be great. But, um, if there's a new version of office that's out every year and suddenly things aren't backwards compatible with like new office programs when things are not backwards compatible. Yeah. When yeah. things aren't backwards compatible, uh, suddenly you're shit out of luck. Um, and then they also just introduced, uh, the, or I mean, not just introduced, this is like 2011, the cloud, uh, programs office 365, um, which, you know, they turned it from, uh, uh, every three years to like every month you pay right. for a, a subscription to use a word processor is is office 365 yeah. and that's yeah essentially they're repackaging yeah. and reselling the same product with different ramifications and conditions based off how much money you've yeah. given them mm-hmm. yeah so and, oh go ahead oh well like these subscription services i'm pretty sure in the, the, the business division and like if you look at their quarterly reports and I found some charts like detailing how, how each of the business divisions have gone. Like the the Microsoft business division has like gone way up, whereas like online services and also the operating system, just the Windows asset has yeah. been like mostly flat or slightly declining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Windows isn't much of like a, a money maker for Microsoft. It's no. it's largely Office is where yeah. they make yeah. all the money. Yeah. And part yeah, of within that is, that is like Excel, Word, everything like that, PowerPoint. and 360. Yeah, which like. Uh, Excel, Powerful, like yes. their major since 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 Mister uh, Pallywall, Pallywall, uh, Pollywall, go on, Pollywall built it. There hasn't been like you don't get a new version of Excel and you're like, oh shit, now it highlights a new kind of blue. Like there's there aren't real upgrades to it. Right, it's the right. same product. Um, they'll just tweak something and then make it so everyone has to get the new version. So um, power user here, yes, um, go on. I do like index match over. VLOOKUP oh. for Excel. It's a great one. Oh, okay. You know what that I was like? in 2013. That's <laughs> great, great. Otherwise, no, basically the same. Right. I like open source software. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, that would be a lot better. But, uh, but yeah, so, Andy, were you a temp or a permatemp? Because that's another thing I found I was found a contractor. About. You were a contractor, okay. Yeah, which, uh, or as we're known on the Microsoft campus, V-Trash. <laughs> Because there's a V for vendor and then a dash before your official Microsoft uh, email address. Um, And so that meant that, like, you couldn't just walk into the cafeteria. You had to walk behind someone who actually worked for Microsoft and looked like uh, you're supposed to be there and then confidently let them hold the door for you. Um, but so I would like to, in a future episode, maybe we'll do a more serious dive on Microsoft's labor practices. But one other thing we should mention is uh, in 1992, Microsoft was sued in a class action lawsuit by uh, Permatemp employees. There yeah. were like uh, 8,500 employees. Uh, who was oh, that? yeah, it must have been a Permatemp probably. Well, essentially they said that like um, they were just classified as temporary employees despite the fact that uh, they worked alongside regular employees doing the same work and worked for long terms doing the exact same thing and they were just constantly extended as temp employees so they wouldn't get the benefits they wouldn't be paid as well and it was just kind of labor blatant labor abuse where it's like hey we're just gonna define people doing the exact same thing as permanent employees and uh oh yeah like uh especially for like v dash what we were doing i was making uh like forty thousand, and the the amount that the company I worked for 
got for me mm-hmm. uh, from Microsoft was eighty thousand. Oh, so they were just skimming very, half of it right well, off the very top. Very cool. <laughs> well. Yeah. Uh, none of the Andy, health benefits. Of Andy, being... what was it that drew you to the works of Karl Marx? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what it wasn't. Free Coca-Cola, uh, an asset to all, even the Microsoft vendors get free Coca-Cola. <laughs> and that's, um, I don't know, I'm probably going to have like organ failure when I turn yeah. 40. But um, a side effect of this per- the Permatemp lawsuit is that now contract employees at Microsoft are banned from participating in team morale events and what? other activities that could be construed as making them as, quote, employees. And they are also limited to 18-month contracts after which they have to leave for six months before returning under another temporary contract. Uh, and that's just from Wikipedia. But, you know. Uh, yeah, no, morale This is from was... The Wages of Destruction. <laughs> look great book. Uh, from my memory working as a licensing support specialist, yes. uh, morale wasn't something we had in abundance. Um, even though we had people appointed the office morale officer uh, to basically be given no resources and try to make people happier. Uh, <laughs> the bleakest job. <laughs> I got some about Xbox I want to mention real quick before sure. we go to that. But of course. That's great. Uh, there's this great article in Wired called The Young and the Reckless, and it's uh, about these cruel kids who essentially hot-rotted their Xbox early on and figured out uh, how to hack into Xbox game codes and just steal uh, information from companies and uh, make cheats and stuff. And so when they got... when the, One of these guys, Pakora... Did the, they figure out what the Covenant's deal is? What? Like what the co- what's the deal with the covenant? Like what are they? What are they? So why why are they fighting so much? I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh. But like uh, they they hacked Xbox's source code and it was just a 12 year old saying the N word. <laughs> <laughs> but these kids, these guys, they like hacked the Xboxes to like basically make them play whatever they wanted to, and they even got so far as to hack into the Call of Duty series and make their own like mods within it and charge people to play in their servers which had like unlimited ammo and like you could fly and shit and uh, you shoot someone their buddy starts like the character buddy crouches down and starts crying over their body <laughs> I mean, uh, the when this guy Pakora got arrested, uh, he'd been. There's a little meter in the bottom saying how much you believe in God. And, uh, well, let's just say that once you get out of that foxhole and see what man can do to another man, it drops pretty low. Well, I mean, essentially, these people did create kind of these type of things. Um, <laughs> but uh, Pakora, when he got arrested, was uh, uh, indicted for conspiracy to steal as much as a billion dollars worth of intellectual property. And, like, the amount of uh, hacking these kids did was pretty intense. They were they essentially uh, hacked into uh, the people that made Gears of War and leaked it before it came out, among a whole bunch of other Ooh. things. They were, like, manipulating FIFA so that they would play... It would automatically play games Whoa. and then selling... Whoa. Are you saying that there is corruption in FIFA? Yes, there is corruption <laughs> in the video they game They made FIFA. it more realistic. Yeah, right, right, right. So, I mean, like, this guy and a, and a handful of other people... Figure out the the inaccuracy, um, inconsistencies of the security. Just imagining at the halfway point of a FIFA game, it it the game stops because you see uh, your manager getting arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this guy gets arrested, and like the a whole, whole whole heap of other people. But what the one of the ways they did it was that 
in 2006, they a guy found figured out that some recycling facility was selling Xbox DVD drives very cheap. And then when he looked at them, they were these dev kits, which were the keys to getting into the Xbox uh, code uh-huh. and, and breaking into it. So because Microsoft didn't fucking realize they should destroy these properly or reuse them within the company, and they're like, oh, just give them to this random recycling company. This dude um, figured out that uh, he could get them. And so I think about... Eight to nine people got um, arrested for all these activities, but yes, a few of them, Microsoft used their attorneys to destroy these people's lives. Yeah, well, a few of them killed themselves. Of like course, a few people killed themselves. Um, the they were charging like fifty to one hundred fifty dollars for those uh, Call of Duty servers, where you could have superpowers, like you could fly, walk through walls, sprint with a whole bunch of speed, shoot bullets, and never miss their targets. You know, they basically Rather created just, yeah. the how, well, well. Okay, but let, let me play devil's advocate because mm-hmm. how dare these kids come in? Take another person's code, right? Repurpose it, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and then sell it for a huge markup. Yes, That's of what, that of is course. not what America is That's about. That's not what Microsoft does. Also, if FIFA were being honest, um, the in their games they would have you know part of the stadium collapse because it was made by slaves from Sri Lanka hmm. and. Um, among other countries, but Sri Lanka, yes. Yeah, that's one of them. Well, um, I know whenever uh, kids take my product and improve it, rather than go into some sort of deal with them to uh, uh, pay them for their work, I actually like to use the uh, federal carceral system <laughs> and my billion-dollar lawyers to kill them. Like, basically, I want to I wanna really mention this. These kids invented what Call of Duty is now, basically. Like, the concept of Call of Duty now, you can, like, jump as high as you want. You can do a whole bunch of crazy cool shit. And in the same vein that the iPhones were innovated because of... Jump as high as you want. Yeah. Like, fly? Well, yeah, but also, yes, flying is one of those things. But you can also call it jumping if you land at one point, Palmer. (laughs) But yes, flying was a part of it. Why are you but, dicking me on this fly <laughs> shit, Andy? This is, Jump, just jumping as fucking, high as you want. That's just flying. Jesus Christ, Andy. I'm just trying to get through this fucking Wired article. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, if you... Uh, give us your opinions on whether jumping as high as you want is flying. Uh, Grubstakerspodcast at gmail.com. We're literally doing the Samurai Jack, are you flying, no, I jump good argument right now. Um, so that's the Toy Story 1 argument. Uh, no, that's t- falling versus flying. Thank you, thank you. Anyway, so why can't our troops fly? That's why I don't respect the troops. It's jetpacks. It's it's just, it's all. How many troops use jetpacks in the future? Maybe all. I mean, you could just shoot a jetpack and it explodes. We're going think, way I, off. Way I think off Microsoft here. has that contract with the Chinese military. <laughs> <laughs> These kids invented their own brand of basic. And then, yeah, essentially. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, like, that's what was going yeah. through my mind the whole time. Right. It's just like, okay, they took basic and code and did their own version of it. I mean, they it. did more fraudulent stuff that, that did warrant it, like, like them getting uh, arrested uh, later on. This wired article, you can read wired article, you can read yourselves. Uh, but they were making they wrote a they wrote a line yeah, of code, fuck you listeners. They wrote okay. a line of code that giving you homework. They wrote a line of code that when you execute it, it causes you to have a 20 year prison sentence and then kill yourself, <laughs> right? Right, right. <laughs> Um, it's a killer app. <laughs> the like the, these kids were making a couple million dollars from these uh, alleged services. Whether it's the FIFA sounds coins. sounds like they deserve to die. <laughs> <laughs> whether it was the FIFA coins or the like uh, Call of Duty stuff. Uh, they, this one dude made sixteen million dollars, and they're facing this kid was facing eight years in prison if they take the plea. Three and a half. Either way, fuck them. They can keep trying to get me a plea. So 
like the reality is, is these kids were doing exactly the same shit Bill Gates and Paul Allen were, were doing, yep. but it's the full extent so of the law fucked them in the ass. Imagine and, going to prison for uh, Call of Duty, and then Fortnite takes over. Well, and that's that's the whole fucking story, though, is that Bill Gates through all these Fortnite, anti- I know <laughs> through all these anti-competitive practices we've mentioned, but also just using your billion-dollar lawyers to destroy the lives of anyone trying to do open source or other programming. Right, you are. Bill Gates became a billionaire and then strangled the ability for any other Bill Gates to emerge Mm -hmm. because he used his position in the market to lock it down and uh, be a complete dick with our fucking vicious carceral system, which doesn't really care about justice. It just cares about what an expensive lawyer you have. And you look at, sorry to cut you off, but just you look at the initial thing where they got to keep basic after some big company sued them david versus goliath that's how they got their story and then they spend the rest of their lives being the fucking goliath uh, against all these other davids trying to innovate and do open source and other things yeah yeah and we don't uh you know it's uh we don't necessarily want another bill gates to emerge but we want (laughs) we want you know open source open source developers are going to be good entrepreneurs probably and try to try new things and you know we want innovation and for more on um this topic check out the webcomic user friendly uh has a lot of um cutting cutting satire against uh not only bill gates but the microsoft corporation as a whole um but so there is um uh, one other thing I want to mention quickly here before we wrap up, uh, and that is essentially we've, we've mentioned open source. So um, uh, there's what's called, if you go to opensource.org, you can read the Halloween documents, and these are in 1998. Um, various internal Microsoft emails were leaked to the uh, Linux community, which showed them viewing Linux as an existential threat right. and how they would uh, combat it. And like um, one Microsoft executive uh, describes how Linux is actually better or just as good as Microsoft. And um, that uh, recent case studies uh, provide very dramatic evidence that commercial quality can be achieved slash exceeded by open source projects. And they talk about how um, the usual Microsoft tactics of uh, FUD spreading fear, uncertainty, and doubt won't work against open source. So he talks about how they have to do what we've talked about, which is embrace, extend, extinguish. They talk about extending these open source protocols and developing new protocols and, quote, decommoditize protocols and applications, unquote. And so the entire idea is that they have, for their entire business career, viewed Linux as a threat, and they should, because Linux is better, is the lesson of this episode. Right. Uh, one, of, one of the other huge open source platforms of of the of today is um github which microsoft unfortunately bought out yes and so now you have like you know one of the most widely used uh platforms for just like collaborative projects and version control and stuff and now it's now it's owned by microsoft and one other thing from the halloween emails is that it reveals that microsoft had funneled about 86 million or in 2018 dollars 114 million into a uh, what's called the sco group which was a company that was spent until 2016 filing uh, frivolous lawsuits against Linux for patent theft. And when I say frivolous, I mean in 2016, it was thrown out with prejudice 
uh, because it was a frivolous lawsuit. But the idea was Microsoft spent like 100 million bankrolling lawsuits to try and fuck over open source Linux software. Right, right. Um, but so uh, something we might take uh, a deeper dive in on a future episode. Maybe we'll come back for Steve Ballmer or just something else about we've mentioned their labor practices. But another thing is like a major part of Microsoft business has been... Um, well, if you look at the Snowden leaks, they're like one of the most enthusiastic cooperators. Uh, they signed that consent decree. <laughs> uh, but so um, just as an example, and you, you can go through all these uh, different examples, but just one from The Guardian. Well, I'm uh, glad that they'll finally get taken down for their monopolistic practices. So Microsoft was participating in the PRISM data collection thing that the NSA was doing. And just from The Guardian, after Microsoft bought Skype, the NSA tripled the amount of Skype video calls being collected through PRISM. Oh, wow. So, you know, it... Yeah. And, you know, uh, we mentioned uh, just uh, in April, Microsoft got busted for working on these uh, uh, facial recognition technology uh, research papers with a, a, a university funded by the Chinese military, essentially doing a joint venture with the Chinese military to do these facial recognition stuff and, you know, having multi-million dollar contracts with ICE. Well, ICE is, you know, uh, terrorizing immigrant communities and deporting people. I remember one of our uh, uh, friends uh, who used to work at Microsoft, he worked on uh, Link, which was, mm -hmm. um, as you all know, their, their classic um, uh, inter-office chat program. Uh -huh. uh, but he, he said that, like, he, he was there right when they um, bought Skype. Uh, and he was like a programmer, so he was, like, looking at the, the source code and everything. He's like, oh, man, Skype, it's got this stuff that, you know, I, I can't go into it. But he was just like this, like just realizing that, he, uh, like looking back, it's like, oh, he was probably seeing the NSA code right, 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 that yeah. he just couldn't talk about. And he's like super, as we know, he, or he was at the time, pretty libertarian um, and listens to the show. So shout out to that guy whose name I probably can't say because I don't want to blow up his spot. Speaking mm -hmm. of people whose names we can't say, Sean, you got some stuff? Right. So, yeah, uh, we do want to shout out all Microsoft employees who listen to this show. And we're sorry that it's about to get uh, banned from Microsoft servers. <laughs> So you're going to have to start downloading it and then bringing it into work on your phone. I'm sorry you have to go to Redmond. <laughs> <laughs> but just like an interesting thing is um, uh, Microsoft has really embraced, um, what do you want to call it, woke corporate identity politics. We're cool uh, now. Yeah. And, you know, it, of course, the irony is this company that's helping, you know, China put a million Uyghurs in camps and uh, ICE deport people, the NSA do prism spying. Every time you uh, say that, I'm like, I don't think you can say that word anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's an all hands meeting with a, a Microsoft executive vice president recently where he talked about how eye opening it had been for him to read Kimberly Crenshaw, which is a critical race theorist, right. and how much intersectionality <laughs> means to him. And just like this kind of stuff where it's like, um, you know, I don't really want to get into the debate of uh, if, let's say, identity politics, whatever you want to mean by that, can be incorporated into socialism. But in the corporate context, it is so toothless and antithetical because the entire part of it, it creates this environment of, um, let's say, schisms between labor where you're like, you know, Microsoft will send these internal emails about like checking your privilege and, you know, being called out, not getting sensitive about it. And it's just like, well, it does have the very interesting effects of one, making them look like a good corporate. Personally, I think that Microsoft should call in. <laughs> uh, it has the effect of making them look like a good corporate actor on the one hand, but the other thing is it creates divisions within labor where it's, uh, you know, the labor pool where it's like, you know, if, uh, 
uh, if people who um, uh, call you out, like people, it, it creates people, people who drive their uh, private buses should, uh, if they're white males, they should recognize their privilege. <laughs> Basically, all these fucking temp contractors they have making like less than or fifteen dollars an hour Washington State minimum wage now. Uh, yeah, the people who serve them coffees and get spit on should recognize their privilege. Right, but it it, it creates this idea where it's like. It creates incentive for employees to spy on and report on each other, where it's like you're kind of uh, violating, you know, whatever, um, let's say, liberal identity politics, or you're, you're talking in this way when you shouldn't be. And it just creates like it, it has the very pervasive effect of creating a culture of spying, which is actually really good for a labor management dispute because you can create labor fishers where people are like you know say half the company is white half the company is uh non-white you know you can say hey there's like a privilege division here you shouldn't think of yourselves as all employees you should think of you know the there's a progressive stack here and then even some of the managers will be less privileged than the employees you know and it is it's very um or if you're critical of the board and right. the board happens to to now be more racially and ethnically yes. diverse why then can't you, you listen cannot to criticize them. Right, right. also they bought out progressive stat so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a microsoft they, asset now they, they, <laughs> they extended and extinguished progressive stack <laughs> so you actually have to pay royalties to microsoft whenever you uh, use progressive stack now yeah. progressive stack only runs on windows <laughs> Now, Sean, um, yes. I'm wondering, uh, what are some things that you can't say at Microsoft? <laughs> well, it is a paywall episode. Okay. Well, uh, that that's not. You know what? You know what that reply was? Mm-hmm. Fine. No, I have an answer. The answer is I don't remember. <laughs> now, instead of doing that, let's hear some of the phrases that you can't say at Microsoft. Let's talk about the implicit bias inherent in implying that a successful business. Listen, woman- you fucking. Let's. I want some ethnic slurs. Go. Let's talk about the implicit bias that is inherent in assuming a successful businesswoman like Bill Gates' mother would have to fuck the IBM chairman <laughs> just to get him the MS-DOS contract. Not have to, need to. She needed that she dick. She needed that dick. If her ass wasn't licked, we wouldn't have Microsoft right now. Wait, Andy, what was the sound effect when Bill Gates' mother died? <laughs> no, no, it was the other one. Um, but I guess that well, kind she, of... She died for me getting a little scholarship for doing... <laughs> I got a Mary Gates scholarship. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I know this. Yeah, I got $6,000 from from that lady you have been slandering. I never said it was slander. I was saying she did what she needed to do to get the job From that done. lady you have been telling the truth about. <laughs> Andy got the Mary Gates scholarship, and he's like, oh, man, this sucks. You used to be able to fuck Mary Gates after you got this. <laughs> now she's fucking dead, and you can't uh, anymore. <laughs> you can. It's just a lot weirder. But um, uh, so I guess that kind of closes out our uh, the three-parter on Bill Gates. But uh, email us, uh, grubstakerspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, there's so much to do with uh, Microsoft, such a huge company. Recently, actually... An interesting story. They um, said that you do not own stuff you buy online at the Microsoft store, which is kind of an interesting legal precedent. You know, you buy music on, say, iTunes right, or right. Um, uh, PlayStation Network or whatever. And Microsoft is saying, uh, actually, if you buy our shit, you don't own it. And yeah. We can take it away from you. They did that with all their ebooks recently. Yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, uh, 
and uh, hopefully we'll get back to that in future. I would recommend for follow-up on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, I do want to shout out the Citations Needed episode because it does kind of go through what a fake philanthropy effort that is and, uh, you know, uh, how much Bill Gates has all this ill-gotten Monopoly man money and uh, he launders his uh, charity through these media outlets that he funds when in reality he gets richer every year and he's a $100 billion net worth, richest man on earth, who uh, now richest man on earth, who uh, does not seem to be giving his money away fast enough. Dog, if they're paying money to hear us right now, they've already heard that podcast. Yeah. I would describe his charity efforts as vaporware. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, but thank you for listening, and uh, we'll we'll be back next week. Uh, uh, check us, hit us up. I will say, when we started this podcast, we might have been the um, we might have been the explorer of uh-huh. podcasts, but now we're the edge oh. of podcasts. <laughs> and I just want to say that it has been uh, an honor and a delight uh, creating this proprietary whatever cut this looking forward to get sued and with that i'm yogi polywall we'll be we'll be shutting this podcast down after mozilla releases their podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm andy palmer steve jeffries i'm sean mccarthy good night thanks for listening thanks you for supporting our patreon pbs the propaganda wing of bill and melinda gates and viewers like you Children and women, yo, the new Mike Tyson's Roy Jones, Bill Clinton's the new JFK, without the hole in his dome, the new Don Trump is Bill Gates, not because his occupation is cause we respect his cake, a cake meaning stock, net gross, young kids step it up, go for the most, a new cameras and police cars taking whoever the fuck, y'all fucking server is fucking whack, man, y'all gonna make me switch to PlayStation if y'all don't help me get this shit fixed, it's that difficult to play somebody online, what the fuck is you doing, Bill Gates? Fix your shit, man. What the fuck is you doing, Bill Gates? Fix your shit, man. What the fuck is you doing, Bill Gates? Fix your shit, man.